Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. If you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, I'm going to get there maybe halfway through my message, but that's where we're going to camp out at eventually. Uh, Like I mentioned, we're beginning the series Faith to Believe. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the visit when the angel visited Mary. We won't have time to talk about Joseph's visitation in the dream, but uh, we are going to focus on Mary. Uh, When we look at that aspect of faith, like Mike was talking about, there is a necessity of faith. It has to be uh, the, the, the pathway that we live with our walk with Jesus. Faith, uh, a lot of my walk when I was earlier in my Christianity, and I know talking to many people who followed Jesus, uh, faith is sometimes looked at as something that's intangible, you know, that can't be grasped, it can't be really, really be developed. You just hope, you know, some people have a lot of faith, some people don't, and that's not true. Though faith is extremely spiritual, we can make it practical. We can look at what God's word says and then actually take steps to develop our faith as we ask the Lord to develop our faith. Do you see how it's a partnership? Two people. Who else sees that it's a partnership? You can talk, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. So faith is a partnership, correct? Yes. We ask the Lord to give us more faith, to increase our faith, and then also to show us ways that we ourselves, with his help, can increase our faith. So for six weeks this fall, we talked about craving hope. We talked about aspects of hope and ultimately how our hope is found in Jesus This hope that we have, that's an expectation that we're going to get something, right? We hope in heaven. We hope, even though we can't see it, we hope in an eternal life. We hope tomorrow's going to be a better day. We hope our our bills are going to be paid. We hope there's going to be restoration in our relationships. But that hope is an expectation that something's going to have. What faith is, is the substance to hope. Without faith, hope is a really, really good expectant thought, right? It's something that's from our soul or from our head. Obviously, we need hope. We sang about hope, that Jesus gives hope to the hopeless. Without hope, we're not moving forward. Without hope, we're not facing our next day with any type of expectation that good is going to come to us or that we can do good to others. So we absolutely, positively need hope. But without faith, Hope remains in your soul as a really good expectation. So we need faith to add substance to our hope that we believe not just in our mind, which our soul is a part, or our mind is a part of our soul, but actually in our spirit, the deepest part of who we are, how we communicate with God. That is when our hope has actual substance and we move forward believing that it absolutely positively will happen. Hope is the desire Faith is the evidence that we actually believe in what we hope for. I want you to think about this. We were designed to live by faith. This is not like I'm following Jesus and I'm in my Bible study and I pray and I read and then off to the side, I'm trying to grow in my faith. Everything about our walk with Jesus should be done by faith. We were designed to live that way. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and again, we're going we're gonna to get to Mary and get to Luke chapter 1. I just want, just like Mike did today, I want to kind of just give an introduction to faith, and then we're going uh, to uh, intertwine this into the Christmas story the rest of this month. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, we live by faith, not by what? Yeah, we are designed by God to live by faith 
and not by sight. So in Genesis, it says we were created in the image of God. So I started to think this past week, and it really hit me, like how, how God operated. God was able to see the mountains, the stars, the rivers and lakes, the ocean, the grass, the dirt, the insects, and his children, men and women. He was able to see all of those things before they were ever here. Did you ever think about that? Right? Like he thought these things, he could see these things into being before they were ever a reality. And we were created in his image. And I don't think that means the, the two ears, two eyes, and a nose. Right? Our makeup, our design, the values that he gave us is his image. So if he was able, before he ever said, let there be light, before he ever separated the waters and now there were clouds and now there were rivers, before he ever put the first speck of dust on this ground, he was able to see how it was going to look, how it was going to function. And yet we were created in his image and God's word says that we were made to live by faith and not by sight. Which means we should be trained and tutored by the Lord through his word to be able to see things in our spirit before they're actually in reality. So we see things spiritually before we see them naturally. That's what faith is. It's the ability to believe that God is absolutely positively going to back up his word even when we don't feel like it. I'm telling you, I mean, I fall into this trap a lot of times too. Everything in our culture is about appeasing our senses, right? It's how it looks, how it smells, how it feels. Everything is just in our face. So at some point, we don't even have to like give of ourselves. We just sit back and like receive everything, right? Virtual reality. I mean, this is where, where we're headed. And there's benefits of it and we can advance the kingdom with it. So I'm not speaking against technology or any of that stuff. What I'm saying is if we're not careful, we will let culture speak to us and touch us and, and send us all of our senses until we're just satisfied and sitting here. And then when we're actually desiring a breakthrough in our life that we don't see, we're like, why don't I feel it yet? Why don't I see it yet? Why hasn't, why hasn't the extra check come in yet? Well, I'll believe it when I see it, right? I'll believe that God's in my relationships once they're restored. That's not how we're supposed to live. We're actually designed to see with our spirit everything that we see in God's word before we see it in the natural. Amen. And I would say that most Christians live the exact opposite. We live by our feelings, by our emotions, by our circumstances a lot of the time. Mike already read this verse. Faith is so important. It says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith at its most root simplicity is trust. So it says here, so with, let's, let's just mix it up a little bit. Without trusting God, it's impossible to please God. Does that make sense? Without trusting him, it's possible to please him. It says anyone who comes to him, who comes to God, this seems a little, is it hollow? Yeah. I'm going to keep talking. Now. <laughs> um, Anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You, you see, he's not rewarding people who do all of the right things. He's not rewarding the people who don't make any mistakes. He's rewarding people who seek him. How are you going to seek him if you don't trust him? 
So you look at the, the, most, the very first step that you can take in having faith in God is believing that God exists, that he sent his son to earth to die on a cross, that he was resurrected and went back to the Father for our salvation, that we could be born again. If we make that one-time decision, say, I trust God in that, I have faith in God, and then we go the rest of our life living by our senses, how many of you know that's not pleasing to God? So it's not just a one-time faith in God. It's an ongoing trust that he is, that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. I don't want anybody that calls Central their home to say, 15 years ago, I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, but I haven't been living like that ever since. Once you make him your Lord and Savior, he remains your Lord and Savior. The only way that happens is if your trust in him, your faith in him continues. If it doesn't continue, then we're going to put our trust in something else, either ourselves, our spouse, culture, somebody. We'll eventually, putting our, we'll eventually put our focus and our trust in something other than the Lord. So the way to please him is to say, you are my God. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And actually believe it. It talks about what faith is, just five verses earlier in Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to break this verse down, and then we'll go into, uh, into Luke. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. You see how they're drawing, uh, how the writer here is drawing hope back in now. Faith is the confidence in what you hope for. So first you have hope. Hope is the foundation that there is something greater than yourself. There's someone who can actually forgive your sins. There's someone who can actually get you out of your addiction. There's somebody out there that can actually give you satisfaction, joy, peace, fulfillment in life. That's a hope that you have. What is faith? Faith is the confidence of what you're actually hoping for. It's not just a wish and a dream and a lofty thought. You're now confident that this thing is gonna come to pass. So it's the confidence in what we hope for, and it's the assurance. There are, there are three or four different words like evidence and proof, depending upon what translation you read. I would encourage you, get on the Bible app, get on BibleGateway.com and bring this up. This is the New Living, trans, I believe this is the New Living, this is the New International Version. Bring up three or four different translations and just look at the different words. They'll give you different insight and uh, different perspective of what faith is. But it said it's the assurance about what we do not see. The very essence of faith is being sure of something you don't see. You might say, well, that's really hard to do. Well, wait a minute. Have you ever seen God in his fullest form? No. Have you ever seen heaven yet in its fullest form? No. And yet we believe those things. We have confidence that we're going to be with him forever. We have assurance that our salvation, as soon as salvation uh, came to us, we were born again and our eternal life began. We're not waiting to die for our eternal life to begin. Does this make sense? We give our lives to Jesus. We surrender to him and our eternal life now begins. We actually have assurance and faith and confidence in that, yet we don't see it with our natural eye. This is completely opposite of how culture uh, interacts with us. We were designed to have assurance about things we don't yet see. So if you take something that you hope for, a bigger car, an in-ground pool, I mean, think of something simple that you hope for. Without biblical foundation, there's nothing to actually give you confidence that it's going to happen or assurance. Like I said before, faith is the substance for what we hope in. 
So that word confidence here, this word confidence actually comes from an original word that means title or deed to a property. So follow this out. What's a title or a deed? It's a legal document that says you own a piece of property or own a house on a property. Okay? We there so far? We okay? So think about this. If you would close on a house, you go to a closing into a real estate or or into the, the office, and you close on the house, and you sign all the paperwork and all that, and you now have the deed in your hand, and you have the document, you have the title in your hand, do you, at that moment, walk out of the office really worried that somebody else is living in your house? Are you like, oh my goodness, I hope it's mine. I hope it's mine. Oh, what if somebody else came in? What if, some, what if they sold out under my feet? And what if there's 10 people living there? What if, what if it just got stolen from us? Do any of you think that way if you've ever closed on a house? Absolutely not. As soon as that deed is signed and you have the paperwork in your hand, you know without a shadow of a doubt, you have confidence. That's the word confidence. It's the title or the deed that you own that property. You know what the title and the deed is to faith? It is God's word. We look at God's word and we read it, but then what do we say? I hope I can pay my bills. I hope I can do this. I hope my relationship's restored. I hope I can. And you get so worried somebody else is coming to live in the property that he gave you from his word. Faith is confidence in what you hope for. If you're hoping for something, you have to take time. There's a lot of resources out there too to find scriptures that actually support what you're hoping for. And if you can find out it's according to God's will for your life and what you're hoping for is actually according to his word, then what you read in his word is the title and is the deed. How amazing would that be to actually live that way? That when you found something in his word, you walked away from your time reading the Bible with the same confidence you did holding the deed to the property you just bought where you're no longer worried about if it's going to be taken over by the enemy, if it's going to, if it's going to happen or not. But you actually said, this is, this is the title. This is the deed to my next breakthrough. This is the deed to my need. This is the deed to what I hope for. That's what faith is. It's having so much confidence in what this word says that you believe it's a done deal before you receive it. We don't live that way a lot of times. We say, well, you're just name it and claim it. No, 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 no. No, it's seeing something. It's having substance to what you're hoping for now. You're actually believing these words are true for your life. It's not name it, claim it. That's saying, I've seen it in the word. And because I know it's true, I'm going to live as if it has already come to pass. Well, that's crazy. It hasn't come to pass. It's called faith. Don't call people crazy that say, I believe it's already happened. They, they're holding the deed. Your Bible, those of you who think like, well, this is crazy and you're believing stuff and you don't even see. Your Bible says faith is the assurance about things that we don't see yet. So we're actually, we're, we want to position ourselves to believe, not just anything we want to believe, to believe in his word. We don't make, we don't write, like you don't, you don't write your own title and deed up for your house, right? The prof- we leave that up to the professionals to write for us. We just sign off saying we agree with it. We didn't write our deed. We didn't write our title. We received it from the professional. We have to sign our name saying we agree with it and that we believe in it and that we can actually walk it out. How? How does this happen? Romans ten seventeen. Thank you for asking. I'll tell you. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. So if I wanna know, we, we prayed to the Lord earlier to give us more faith, to show us how we can grow in our faith, okay? But then the Bible's telling us, and, and I believe because that's in the word that I could do that. If the apostles are doing that and praying, I can, I can partner with what they're doing and say, I want more faith. Show me how to have more faith. Increase my faith, Lord. I can pray that, but then I see something else from scripture, right? We have to let scripture teach us from all kinds of different aspects and perspectives. So now I come across Romans 10 and I see, wait a minute, how does faith come? It doesn't come just by asking Jesus to increase our faith and then doing nothing about it. It says it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that does not mean you have to sit in sermons or listen to the podcast your entire life. You're hearing the word of God as you're reading it yourself too, right? So much of early Christianity and then even into Catholicism was one person on a platform reading it and the average person didn't even own their Bible. Now we flipped it all the other way. We own 10 or 12 Bibles, but still don't get into it, right? So for generations, we didn't own any and now we own too many and we, we have to like, own one or two. I don't care if you own 10. Read one of them. We're going to grow in faith by what? Hearing the word of God. I guarantee you, if you were buying property and your real estate agent said, listen, I got it all covered. I'll figure out. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to read anything. Just trust me. You'd be like, no way. So we take a piece of property or a house more seriously than we take our walk with the Lord and Savior. We would read through that thing. We would make sure that the details line up. And how it's saying here to, that faith comes is through the word of God. So how does, this, how does this happen practically? Let's say you're sick. Let's say you're just new to Christianity. You've never heard about healing and you're sick in your body. Something's hurting. You have an, an ailment or whatever. And you're walking and there's a hope, right? There's a hope out there that I'll get better someday. I, I hope that I get better. I want to function the right way. I want to be able to walk in my business or wherever you are. There's hope. So what brings substance to that hope? That's going to be faith. So what would happen is this. You're reading through scripture and you see an Isaiah about Jesus being our healer. And then you start to wonder, wow, could this be for me? Then you look at Matthew, how he healed everybody that came to him. Then you read in 1 Peter that by his stripes, we were healed. That he's taken all the stripes he's ever going to take. And yet I'm still sick. Does that mean I don't believe? No, that's when faith, you're seeing something in his word and faith arises. Your hope's already there. Now faith increases. Why? Because you read the title and the deed. So there's a point where you might still have some doubt and wonder and worry, and that's okay. You're human, right? But now, now your faith and your trust gets ignited because you saw it in his word. And now because of that, you start walking something out, believing before you ever see it. That's not walking in blind faith. That's saying, you know what? I'm still sick. I still have an ailment. Something's wrong with my body, but I see it in here. So I have no other option but to believe this. Now we, as a Christian family, we call ourselves a church family. We have to watch ourselves to not bring pressure or condemnation on people that are walking out their faith with the Lord, with healing finances or whatever. Well, you just don't believe enough. No, don't say that to them. Help them believe more. Right? Instead of, you don't have enough faith, can I show you a verse here? Can I walk with you? Can I pray with you? Can we go out for coffee? You know, one thing I'm going to talk about right now instead of in a couple of minutes, it talks, about, uh, it talks about when the angel comes to Mary, how he's coming from the line of David. How the, the child is going to come from the line of King David. King David was a man of great faith, 
right? He, he, could stay, he could stand in front of Goliath and just whack him with stones. He could kill bears. He could be one of the most effective kings against warriors. He was a man of great faith, but it didn't start just by being some tough, macho man of faith. It started because of relationship. Why? He was a man after God's own heart. So if we want to grow in faith, grow in your relationship with the Lord. He wrote you an entire book to read about him. So this isn't about having rough and tough faith. This is about be a person that's after God's own heart. Get to know his covenants, his relationships, his plans for you and for the church in this word. And then out of that, you'll grow in faith. If you just seek to grow in this, this um, insubstan unsubstantial thing called faith, but not relationship with the, the Lord, you'll come out of balance in your walk. And you'll be all about results and breakthrough and miracles, and you'll actually forget the one who's supplying them for you. So relationship leads to trust. Trust is the core value of faith. If you can trust him, then you're going to trust he is going to supply what his word says. The second word, assurance. It's assurance about what we do not see. Assurance is a word that comes uh, like a convincing or convicting evidence or the actual proof. So think about this. If you have assurance in what you don't see, you are being convicted in your most inner self that what you don't yet see, you actually see. So it's an assurance. It's a conviction. It's such a confidence, the ability to walk this thing out even though you don't see it yet because you don't see it in the natural, but you see it in his word. So we have confidence and we have assurance. I want to talk about just four. I'm just going to list four basic elements of faith. We'll talk about a lot more, but these are just basic elements of faith and how they applied to Mary. The first one is knowledge. Like genuine faith actually has to believe in something, okay? So there has to be an intellectual content that you're reading, you're hearing in a sermon, something that's dealing with God to say, okay, I'm not working with knowledge here, and this is our substance. The second we just talked about is assurance. It's a personal conviction. This is what you believe is actually true. So you have knowledge, and now you have assurance that that knowledge is actually true. Do you know there's a big difference between reading this and believing it's actually true? Right? So this is knowledge. There's a whole bunch of knowledge in here, but it's not. When you actually believe it, it's revelation to your soul. It's not just knowledge. So the knowledge is the content you're reading. The assurance is that you actually believe this is true. The third element of faith is trust. Trust is you're actually believing that what God said in here that you believe to be true is going to come to pass in your life. And I believe there's a lot of Christians that say, yes, I believe this, I have knowledge of it, and I'm sure that it's true. I just don't think he loves me enough for it to happen. Or you take some fear, or you take some doubt, and then you say, I don't have faith. What I believe faith is, and Chris, Pastor Chris, who's teaching this today over there too, we talked about just even an illustration. What faith is, it's tipping, it's tipping the fear scale 51% to trust. Like we don't, we don't have to complicate this. If you have some fear and doubt, but you have some trust, you're trying to tip the scale 51% trust. And now you have more trust than you have doubt. And man, once you put your focus on the Lord and his word, you watch that fear will start breaking off. Doubt will start breaking off and faith will rise. You're just trying to tip the scale. You're not trying to walk in perfection. 
You're saying, I'm trusting that what I'm sure is the truth is for me. And the last one is action. Like, let's not, let's not, let's not be a people that have really good theology and we can speak a really good game, but we don't do a thing about it. So like what Mike was talking about, if you actually believe, if you have faith in the principle that he shared, if you have faith that he is going to give seed to the sower and bread to eat so that we will have more than enough on every occasion to be generous on every occasion, then we'll give when the Lord tells us to give. We'll give regularly to the Lord. Then if we see a need, we'll give to it. That's called action. Right? When it comes down to it, we, we, a, a bunch of youth and us, we stepped on a plane uh, a week and a half ago to go to El Salvador. I have to have faith in that plane and in the pilot. When it comes down to it, I have to take action to go from the, what is that called? The tarmac or whatever, and then onto the plane. If I don't have faith, like if, I, if my fear is 53% and 47% is the, the trust and it's out of balance, I'm not stepping onto that plane. But if I actually have enough trust, I can still be nervous, right? You can see people in the plane. I've, I've hung around with Anthony so much. I'm saying right all the time now, right? <laughs> A week of that. Come on, Tone. Right? <laughs> but if, I, if, if it just tips, it just tips. I trust them more than I'm nervous. I have faith just a, just a little bit more than my stomach is bothering me right now. I'm still stepping onto the plane. That's what we need. We need Christians willing to step on the plane. Let's do this. Like, actually take action to something you're believing in. Say, God, I'm proving my faith to you because you've enabled me by your grace to have the faith in the first place. So knowledge, assurance, trust, and action. We'll get into James chapter two another day where it actually talks about taking action to our faith. All right, Luke chapter one, verse 26. I'm not restarting a whole second message right now. This will be shorter. I just want to show you how this applies. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is the New Living Translation I'm reading out of. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She's a teenager here, folks. So she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. It's showing Jesus's lineage, like I already talked about, from Jesus to Joseph, all the way up to the line of David, a man of great faith. But remember, the foundation of his faith was relationship with the Father. Now we have personal relationship with Jesus. And we know that he set us free from our sins. He set us free from the, the bondage of the enemy and has restored our original value that we were first created with. So what happens, right? When we walk in sin, we eventually get paranoid and we get filled with fear and we get filled with doubt. But we weren't created to live that way. We were created to live by faith and not by sight. So when we surrender our life to Jesus, our original value is restored. And that original value is our ability to believe something before we see it. Just like we believe that God is the creator of everything, he's the creator of us and he sent his son, yet we've never seen it with our own eyes. So it goes on in verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. You would think that would be a very encouraging statement. Her response, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So she, that, that confused and disturbed, that means he was perplexed. 
She was troubled deeply. I want to just, I want everybody, take a deep breath. I believe that you have really no option here. When we're talking about faith and you start to read God's word, things are going to start popping out at you. I believe something's just going to be activated, okay? So now we can, we can make one of two decisions. We can either read it and say, well, I just have to have this absolutely right now because we already said it. Or you could grow in process with where the Lord has you. My encouragement is to grow in process, right? See something and don't rush past it. See it and say, God, I want you to make it deeper now. I want you to show it to me. Get a concordance out. Look in the back of your Bible. A lot of those will have lists. Say, if this is about provision, look up other verses about provision. Just stay there until you can sense that you have the knowledge of it. Now you have assurance that it's true. Now you're actually trusting until you're willing to take the action. So it's, it's okay that she was troubled and perplexed and confused at that time. In fact, I would encourage you to not be a people that have fake faith. Those are, those are people that you can tell. They, they, they seem macho and they say, uh, they have the appearance that absolutely nothing ever bothers them and God's word said it, so it's absolutely true and nothing's ever gonna be wrong, yet they still struggle with things behind the scenes. Like, so I just wanna be an actual family. I wanna operate like a church family, which means when you're struggling, will you tell somebody? You're not confessing you're a failure, you're confessing where you are so someone can come and lift you up with God's word. So fake faith is acting like nothing's ever wrong and it's ignorant to the fact. On the other side, you have flaky faith. Flaky faith is God's gonna take care of my finances, I don't even have to work. God's gonna protect me, I don't have to wear my seatbelt. I'm a child of God and I'm loved, so anything's gonna happen. No, that's flaky. That's not based on his word. So you have fake faith and you have flaky faith and you actually have genuine biblical faith. That's what we wanna grow in. So there's a reason why Luke put this in here, that she was confused and disturbed. We know the end of the story. We know that her faith grows within one conversation. I'm not saying it has to last five years. Be honest with yourself so you can be honest with God and then grow in your faith. So he says in verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. This is not like a suggestion. Now this is a command from the angel. Do not be afraid. He sees her fear. He sees her confusion. He's saying, listen, don't be afraid. Why? You have found favor with God. So what, what the angel's doing here is he's tipping the scales. He's going from, I see that you're confused, you're perplexed, you're troubled right now, all right? Listen, don't be afraid, you are favored with God. And what's happening here is her faith, her trust in what the angel is saying is tipping the scales to 51%. Even back in, this, in, the, in that previous verse where it says, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Uh, many commentators that I read on said that, that this thought continued throughout the conversation, which means she's, she's troubled by it. There's tension, there's some toil, and she's listening to what he's saying, and eventually faith comes. But the command is, don't be afraid. Why? You have found favor with God. That word favor is charis or charis in Greek. It means grace. This is before the coming of Jesus. So God chose to, to uh, bestow upon her a greater measure of favor, which was his grace. Grace is undeserved favor. That's what it is. We don't do anything that we, there's nothing that we can do to earn it. Mary didn't like take all the right steps in life. No, God chose her. This is so cool now. Once Jesus came, we know God chose you. We don't have to wait now. So we see throughout scripture that God loves everyone the same, but you see there's different levels of favor. God just favors different people for some reasons. And I honestly believe that faith attracts favor that you actually have to believe you're worth it. Not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is in you. 
Did you ever, did you ever talk to somebody that says, well, I'm just a no good nothing and I could barely make it and I don't even know why God loves me and I don't even know this or that. People that walk in that aren't usually highly favored. And then some other people, it's like, oh my goodness, this, this person keeps getting blessed and open doors and relationships and all this stuff. Well, oh, he's prideful. He seems cocky. No, maybe that person just has faith that they're already favored. Why are they already favored? Because favor is grace. So if you believe that God, by his grace, sent Jesus, by his grace, to give you grace, grace is not just forgiveness. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. So if you believe you have the spirit of Jesus in you, then you're already favored. Maybe let's start there. Maybe let's not even talk about highly favored. Maybe let's get to a point to believe you're favored. You've been favored because God was willing to send his son to die for you. Like just to wake up in the morning, I'm favored. I'm favored by God. He chose me. We didn't think of this. He did. And then, okay, if I'm favored, then I can have faith to be highly favored because it's not for my benefit. It's for the benefit of other people. But again, don't be fake about it and don't be flaky about it. Find things in God's word that can build your faith that you are favored of God. Verse 31, the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, you will call him Jesus. This is the knowledge part of her faith. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. So let's not overcompensate for Mary here. She's a young teenager. She was not intimate with, with Joseph yet. Right? She's struggling through some of this, but now she has the knowledge of God's promise in her life. And now you see, she doesn't say this could never happen. She receives the knowledge, and now she says, how can this happen? So approach God's word like that. Will you do that? It's either God's written word or his spoken word. Like if his Holy Spirit whispers something to you, or if you see something, don't start with, that can never happen to me. I'm not a good enough Christian. I don't pray enough. Don't start with that. Start, how are you going to do this with me? Right, like we were on the island, we were giving fish away. It was Hannah and Natalie and myself and an interpreter. And there was a man who had been crippled uh, from, from birth. And I mean, his legs are just up. He can't speak. He's, he's eating and drinking, laying down. I mean, it was not, Hannah's right there. It was not like a fun sight at all. He can't move. He's just been on his bed all crippled up. And I'm thinking to myself, like in real life, Jesus walked up to people like this and put his hands on them and, and, and their hands are released and their legs are released and they could talk and they could stand up. And if, and if Jesus was with us, he would have stood up and walked out that day. I did not leave. I left, I left that, that yard in tears. I didn't leave that yard saying, well, God will never do that through me. No, I wanna see that. I want like if Jesus can do it and he's in me, somehow, somehow I can see him getting up before I see him getting up. That's faith. You know, I struggle with it. I was nervous in that moment. Laying my hands on God, just do something through his life, do something. I saw no visible manifestation right there. But does my faith end that God's not touching and healing him? Absolutely not. Because faith is not what we see. So we can, we can stretch ourselves to not say, oh, you'll never do that through me. No, do what Mary did. How, this, how can this happen? How is this going to happen in my life? So the angel replied in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
This is the assurance part because this is God doing it. I mean, you know, faith does not mean you are making it happen. Faith is believing that God's word says it's going to happen and that God's spirit is going to make it happen. So she has the knowledge of what's going to happen and she flows into assurance right here because the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you and the baby will be holy, born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. That word overshadow you, it carries the same sense as in Exodus 40, verse 35, where Moses couldn't even enter the tent because the cloud had settled on it. The glory had settled on it. So what this angel is saying, see, she has... She has uh, knowledge of the Old Testament, right? So it's written in a different language. But when the angel's saying, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, he's saying, listen, remember how God's glory came into the tent in that tabernacle. That's what's going to happen to you. How many of you know that's gonna bring assurance? Now, we might not see a cloud cover us. Why? Because we already have the glory of God in us. We might say, I'll believe it once I see the cloud descend. Absolutely not. There's no evidence that she saw anything descend. She had a seed that was planted in her and then had to wait some time to actually experience the kicking and the moving. So it goes on in verse 36. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Now, in a lot of your translations, this next verse says, for nothing will be impossible with God. But I I love the way the New Living Translation, even the NIV hints to it as well. It says, for the word of God will never fail, which is the same exact thing as for nothing is impossible with God, because what God says now becomes possible. So when we see it, we don't have to dream this stuff up. When we see it in his word, or if we're sure that the voice of God is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, we can believe the word of God will never fail. So check this out. She starts a few different, uh, a few verses above, confused and disturbed. Then she gets knowledge. Then she says, well, how can this happen? Then she gets assurance because the Holy Spirit's gonna do the work. And now she comes into a place of trust. Why? Because he says, the word of God will never fail. What's her response? She says, I am the Lord's servant. She goes from, how can this happen? Confused, disturbed, I'm just a virgin, I'm just this young girl. how this happen to me? To this, in one conversation. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said. He, he, the angel saying, the, the son of God is going to be born from you. This is not like a light conversation. Hey, you're going to get a new car in a couple months. May everything you say, Lord. She's going to be looked at as as having intimacy outside of relationship. There's going to be accusations. Like tough times are ahead. She knows that. Joseph actually wants to, to allow for the divorce to happen to not embarrass her. And she says, may everything, not most of the things and let it be quiet. There's no qualifying factor here. She doesn't put God on a timeline or put him in a box on how this is going to work. She said, may, let, may everything you've said about me come true. And as soon as the angel saw that there was trust in her heart, what is, what is the core value of trust? Or trust is the core value of faith. So trust is the substance of faith and faith is the substance of hope. 
As soon as that angel sees, okay, she now has faith. She has the knowledge. She has the assurance. Now she has the faith, that trust the angel leaves. And I believe the reason why she's able to say, may everything you said about me come true is because of that previous statement by the angel. That regardless of your translation, either nothing's impossible for God or your word or the word of God will never fail. Now, the fourth aspect of faith, the fourth element is action. How many of you know she took action, right? She got on the camel and actually made her way to Bethlehem. And even Joseph, jo- the, the angel visited Joseph in a dream. And it says in Matthew 1, Joseph woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. I heard a preacher once say that faith in its most simple form, is risk. Now, faith could remain a theology for you and a nice brochure and a lot of, like, you know those, uh, have you ever seen those books, The Bible Promises? If you're having a rough time, just go and read those. But I think a lot of times what we do is we read those till our soul is soothed, but our spirit actually doesn't have faith. So we stop at the knowledge and the assurance part wow, there's eight verses about provision. I'm gonna read these and now my soul feels good. Instead of like reading them until the knowledge goes to assurance then the assurance goes to trust. It's a personal conviction that he's actually gonna do it for you. And then the next step is what Mary and Joseph had to take. And that's the scariest part. That's the risk is you're actually taking the action. This is so cool. We go from 40 minutes ago, faith being something that is sometimes uh, unsubstantial, it, it's this intangible thing to something you can actually test out in your walk with the Lord this week. Amen. So you can ask the Lord, put somebody in my path that needs ministry. And you find it in here when Peter right, was walking to the temple, sees a man who needs ministry and gives him exactly what he needs, not the money, but the healing. You could see Jesus. I mean, you could just find one area of ministry. You have the knowledge, you have the assurance, you have the trust. And then are we actually willing to take a step of faith? Because what did, what did the angel say? That the Lord is with you. So you're not doing knowledge, assurance, and trust with God and then stepping out of God's protection and presence when you take the action, right? The action is with the Holy Spirit also. It could just be scary at times. Or it could be so much fun and so exciting. Because the Bible also says love never fails. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.